Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. For today's episode, we'll be looking at trivia from a handful of Nintendo Switch titles. At the time of making this video, the Nintendo Switch is the latest of all current generation consoles. On top of that, it's the fastest selling console of all time in both Japan and the United States, selling just short of 3 million units in the first three months of release. More than anything, these record figures have been attributed to a high quality of exclusive titles on the system, such as Breath of the Wild, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and Mario Odyssey. With that said, let's start off by looking at one of these powerhouses, Super Mario Odyssey. In Odyssey, there's a Koopa that asks the player to trace the shape of an object around them by walking. The Koopa appears three times in the game, first asking the player to draw a circle around them, then a triangle, and finally a circle again. This seems odd, as you might expect the third shape to be something more difficult, as a triangle is harder to make with the game's controls than a circle. YouTuber Skellix found that the challenge was indeed originally more difficult. They found data for an objective in the game where the Koopa asks the player to draw a star around them instead. With the star's more complex geometry, it proves to be far more challenging. The difficulty of the objective may have been the reason it was replaced with the initial circle challenge. Jumping from a classic franchise to a wholly new IP, the fighting game ARMS wasn't always intended to be its own series. An early concept for the game was to feature a number of staple Nintendo characters from the company's popular series, such as Link and Mario. Issues arose when the team felt the game's aesthetic clashed with these characters, so they decided to create a new cast of characters instead. Designs began with the character's arms, and the team worked backwards from there to design a character who would make use of the various types of arms created. There are some exceptions to this rule, however. To begin with, the team considered characters using external devices, not their own limbs, in order to hit their opponents. However, this was eventually dropped. Another early idea was to make the game stand out amongst the crowded space of fighting games by positioning the camera directly behind the characters instead. This caused its own issues, however, as it became harder for the player to judge distances on the screen. This was solved by simply making characters' arms extend dramatically to hit their opponent, leading to the game's unique design concept. For Xenoblade Chronicles 2, writer Tetsuya Takahashi wanted to have the popular Square Enix artist and director of Kingdom Hearts, Tetsuya Nomura, on his team. Takahashi's desire to work with Nomura has existed for 20 years, so when the opportunity finally arose for a collaboration, Takahashi jumped at the chance. He told Time, At the time, there was someone who was directing the Final Fantasy series, Mr. Yoshinori Kitasei. Mr. Kitasei was handling Final Fantasy, and I was doing Xenogears, and I wanted to work with Mr. Nomura. So I was waiting for the final call to be made, whether he was going to be working on the Final Fantasy series, or on this new title of mine. And then Mr. Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy, came and said, Tetsu is going to do Final Fantasy. So I thought, okay, I've got to find myself a new designer. After our discussion with Nintendo went through and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was a go, I went directly to Square Enix, 
thinking that I'd be denied, asking if I could work with Tetsu. To my surprise, it was approved, and that's how it happened. Nomura ended up working on Final Fantasy VII, leading to manga artist Kunihiko Tanaka taking on the mantle of character designer for Xenogears and its follow-up, Xenosaga. Twenty years later, Tetsuya Nomura ended up designing the Torna organization for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, the primary group of antagonists in the title. Influences for a game's design can come from unexpected places. The crossover tactical RPG Mario & Rabbids Kingdom Battle first took its inspirations from Nintendo's Mario Kart. Director Davide Soliani stated, We thought that tactical games are known to be slow-paced, and they tend to be a little niche, so why not try to have something very dramatic and colourful and fast-paced? That's why our first reference was Mario Kart. How cool would it be to try to translate that kind of action into the combat of our game? Surprisingly, for such a major collaborative effort between Ubisoft and Nintendo, the hero of the Rabbids origin, Rayman, doesn't make any appearance throughout the game. The team did talk about including the hero in the game, but they decided against it after considering the Rabbids as their own franchise separate from Rayman. They saw the Rabbids as a blank canvas of sorts, which allowed the team to design characters that would fit with the Mario heroes closely. Miyamoto even encouraged the team to explore the crazy side of the Rabbids, wanting the team to involve more of their humor and flair. Another of Nintendo's biggest franchises saw its return on the Switch with Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Both versions of the game have numerous references to other media from Pokemon and beyond. The two Pokemon trainers, Lass Ayuki and Lass Aoi, are references to voice actors from the titular Pokemon. Lass Ayuki, the Pikachu master trainer, refers to Ayuki Otani, the iconic voice of Pikachu. Similarly, Lass Aoi, the Eevee master trainer, references Aoi Yuki, the actress for Eevee in the game. These aren't the only trainers whose names are references, though. The Zubat and Golbat trainers are named Scientist West and Scientist Keaton, respectively. These are, of course, taken from the names of Batman actors Adam West and Michael Keaton. The list of references from the Pokémon Masters goes on, with the Ghost Masters, Psychic Aaron, Danny, and Ross all referencing our boys over at Game Grumps. Aaron Hansen, Danny Avidan, and Ross O'Donovan. And finally, the Birdmaster trainers could potentially be references to the hugely popular animated series, The Simpsons. Though just speculation, the Bird Keepers Barney, Seymour, and Moe could be named after the Simpsons characters Barney Gumble, Seymour Skinner, and Moe Sislak. More references to other media in Switch games can be found in Splatoon 2's Octo Expansion. The names and taglines of every single level in the DLC are references to songs, films, and trends between the late 70s and the 90s. Just to name a few, Stick and Move Station is a reference to the 1979 film Rocky II, when Apollo Creed's trainer instructs him to stick and move. The tagline for this stage is also a reference to boxing legend Muhammad Ali and his iconic quip, Maverick, Goose, and Iceman stations are all references to the 1986 film Top Gun. As well as this, all three stages feature taglines that reference Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone, the big banger from the movie's soundtrack. Labyrinth Station and its tagline both reference Jim Henson's bizarre Labyrinth movie from the same year. Splat Magic Splat is a parody of the line Dance Magic Dance from David Bowie's Magic Dance, which he performed in the film. Wakfu Station alludes to the 90s fighting game Shaq Fu, with the tagline also being a reference to the Shaq Attack phrase. 
Another video game reference, this time for a Nintendo property, is Ink & Watch Station, of course referencing Nintendo's first line of handheld games, Game & Watch. Changes had to be made with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, as it includes every character in the series' history. This even includes the guest characters of the past, such as Snake. With Konami having gone through a rather unpleasant series of events between the release of Brawl on the Wii and Ultimate, it may not come as a surprise that this would affect their contribution to the game. In Brawl, Snake's series emblem was that of Metal Gear Solid's Fox Unit logo. With Ultimate, this was changed to the exclamation mark which appears after a soldier sees the sneaky sausage that is Snake. Stop it's very likely that the reason for this change in emblem comes from the unfavorable departure of Metal Gear Solid creator Hideo Kojima from brand owners Konami. During Kojima's tenure with Konami, the former subsidiary, Kojima Productions, began using this logo as their own. It's possible that Konami had requested that the Fox logo be changed in order to disassociate the character from Kojima. The team behind Nintendo's Labo clearly wanted to show their love of detail within the software side of the package. In the game's digital tutorials on how to build the title's external cardboard devices, 3D models of the Switch's controllers, the Joy-Cons, are shown. Despite the fact that it is almost impossible to view, the 3D models of these Joy-Con are actually fully modelled on the inside, only being visible to players who would orient the software's camera to clip inside one of the devices. Within 10 months of its release, the Nintendo Switch sold more units than the Wii U sold during its entire lifespan. By comparison, the Switch sold 14.86 million units in the first 10 months of its release, while the Wii U sold only 12.5 million units from its launch until it was discontinued in 2017. Although this is partly due to the Switch's unique and quite useful gimmick of functioning both as a home console and a handheld, its game library has no doubt been a big factor in its sales. Pokemon Sword and Shield certainly had a rough run-up to its release, but upon players getting hold of the title, many have come to enjoy it. It's also become the fastest-selling Switch game so far, selling more than 6 million copies in its opening weekend. And as you might expect, the game has quite a few interesting secrets that have already been found. One secret is that there's a very slight chance that a wild Pokemon will come to the player's Pokemon camp while they're playing in it and ask to join the player's team. If the player picks the Yes option, then not only will the Pokemon join the camp, but the player will have also caught the Pokemon, and it will go into one of the player's Pokeballs. Another incredibly popular Switch game is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. The plot of the game's World of Light adventure mode sees Kirby as the sole survivor of a cataclysmic invasion, leaving the Pink Pudge to rescue the other fighters one by one. Interestingly, this was actually director Masahiro Sakurai's original vision for the plot of Super Smash Bros. Brawl's Subspace Emissary. This early storyline was mentioned during a 2008 Iwata Ask segment, where Sakurai said, I had envisioned more of a serious tone for the story, something with some misfortune like a single character escaping total annihilation of his squadron and then fighting back while rounding up his allies. According to Sakurai in an interview with Famitsu, the reason why Kirby was the only one that survived Galeem's attack was because he was the only one who could plausibly escape using his warp star. This also made the character accessible to starters or newcomers to the game as a result of his speed and attacks. Some have pointed out that others should logically have been able to escape due to similar skills involving tremendous speeds, and that Sakurai, as Kirby's creator, may have just been a little biased in his choices. 
Another unused element from Brawl which was used in Ultimate was a voice clip for Snake. There. The voice clip in Ultimate for when Snake plants some C4 went unused in Super Smash Bros. Brawl, but is believed to have been used in the same way before it was cut. Kirby's Star Allies received middling reviews, being praised for its art style, soundtrack, and overall gameplay, however being taken to the cleaners over its apparently incredibly easy difficulty. Despite that, one interesting easter egg actually comes from the difficulty settings of one of the sub-games, the ultimate choice. Once the player has beaten the sixth difficulty, Fiery Showdown, or higher, the Soul Melter difficulty is unlocked. In the menu, with each increase in difficulty, Kirby's reaction gets more intense. The face he makes for the spiciest of difficulties is actually a reference to the episode Frog Wild from the Kirby anime series, Kirby Right Back At Ya. In the episode, Kirby is possessed by a demon frog that turns him evil. A fairly new addition to the Nintendo Switch's library is Platinum Games' Astral Chain. The game's sci-fi aesthetic is one of its more visually defining features, but the title originally started out with a fantasy setting. The initial concept had players use magic, but after the development team realized that there were lots of other games with fantasy settings, it was reworked into a more cyberpunk-inspired setting based on animes that the game's creator, Takahashi Taura, enjoyed watching such as Ghost in the Shell and Appleseed. Another more recent Switch title was the fairly well-received Yoshi's Crafted World. A lot of attention had clearly gone into the design of the game's world, even more than would be apparent by just playing the game. In an interview with Nintendo Dream that was translated by Nintendo Everything, the game's director, Masahiro Yamamoto, confirmed that the entire game actually takes place in a kindergarten class within the Mario universe. This also informed the themes each level had, with elements in the game being based on what you would find in a school for young children, such as a sandbox. Yoshi's Crafted World also has quite the range of easter eggs and secrets. One noteworthy nod references one of Mario RPG's outings, Mario & Luigi's Superstar Saga. In the game, a can of Starbean's iced coffee can be spotted in the flip-side version of the stage Poochie's Magma Run. This is a reference to the Starbean's Cafe, which was prominently featured in Superstar Saga. One game that took Nintendo and Sega fans by surprise was Mario & Sonic at the Olympic Games Tokyo 2020. The surprise in question was an entire game mode based around the 2D games that defined the franchises involved. Another piece of news that took gamers by surprise came on October 2nd, when it was revealed that just one day prior, Superstar Saga developers Alpha Dream had filed for bankruptcy. The company cited sluggish revenues and high development costs as the reason for filing. After the news broke, Liam Robertson, who creates Game History Secrets here on Did You Know Gaming, tweeted that he knew of one last project Alpha Dream worked on. Alpha Dream's involvement in the project hadn't yet been revealed, but the mystery game turned out to be Mario & Sonic 2020. This would be the last game Alpha Dream ever worked on, contributing to development alongside Sega and a few other studios. Another studio that's known to aid with development on large projects is Bandai Namco. As well as helping develop Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, the studio also aided Nintendo with the development of Mario Kart Tour, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and ARMS. This was recently revealed on the company's website, which stated they'd partially implemented in-game and 3D visual assets for courses and characters for Mario Kart Tour, and that they'd produced about half of the game's bonus challenges. The site also states that Bandai Namco produced about half of the visual assets for courses and characters in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and that they made about half of the visual assets for stages and fighters in ARMS. 
One Nintendo Switch game that's hot off the presses is The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. When the game was initially revealed, some fans were torn over the game's visuals. That said, they proved to be a selling point for many, who found the cute aesthetic with a heavy depth of field very alluring. The game's director, Eiji Aonuma, has shed some light on why the game looks the way it does, explaining that the tilt-shift effect was inspired by the original Game Boy version's vast but small world on the console's 66mm screen. Aonuma said, when I played the original Game Boy version, it was a small screen, and it felt like a small world, but very vast. And so, it kind of had this tilt-shift perspective, so that's why I thought this diorama-like art style would be perfect for the remake. Moving from one Switch Zelda title to another, it's no secret that Breath of the Wild has an incredible amount of easter eggs and references within it. And this goes for the game's downloadable content as well. Just a heads up, this is a minor visual spoiler for the end of the DLC. Inside the last room in the Sword Monk Shrine after completing the Trial of the Sword DLC, there are seven monks with their arms in different positions. The pose of each monk represents poses of the seven sages from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Zelda's pose is taken from the final battle against Ganon, and the other six sages' poses are from inside the Chamber of Light after defeating the corresponding temples that release each sage. Did you know? The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Nintendo Switch had been successfully emulated on a PC before the game even released in the USA. Using an Australian dump of the game's files, developers of the Yuzu emulator managed to get the game booting up past the title screen in mere hours. While it's still early days for the emulator, this was no doubt an impressive feat. Besides its already impressive games library, one of the Switch's most defining features are its Joy-Cons. The Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons were originally going to be sold in same color sets, but this was changed when someone at Nintendo accidentally snapped two different color Joy-Cons onto a Switch. General producer of the Nintendo Switch console Yoshiaki Koizumi stated, We actually weren't thinking about having two different colors on the same console at the same time in the beginning. This was until someone slipped on one of each color Joy-Con onto a single console, and suddenly everyone gathered around and said, oh, that looks great. So at first it was red and red, or blue and blue, but sometimes mistakes happen and they end up being the right mistakes. The Joy-Cons would also originally attach to the console using magnets, but this caused a few issues. Besides the risk of magnets interfering with the system's hardware and Wi-Fi signal, the console itself would often detach from the Joy-Cons and fall onto the lap of whoever was playing it. One relic of this iteration can still be seen in the final console, however. When the magnets attached, they made a snapping sound. This was found to be a very satisfying sound, and was implemented with the final Joy-Cons. Nintendo also tried having the Joy-Cons connect to the Switch by attaching them via dish-shaped parts. All in all, around five prototype versions of the Switch and Joy-Cons were made before the final form factor was decided on. Joy-Cons were inspired by the Wii Remote, but not just in function. During the Wii era, Nintendo received a lot of feedback from players of Wii Sports and Wii Fit, asking for a smaller version of the remote that could be strapped to the body. Nintendo held on to this feedback and set out to make a smaller controller. Engineers realized a smaller Joy-Con-sized controller could attach to a handheld device, leading to the Switch's main innovation of being a hybrid console. The Switch has interesting secrets surrounding its creation, but it also has several secrets within the system itself. 
Data miners who dug around the switch's internal files found some curious details. Lines of code referring to a VR mode were discovered while examining the system's 3.0 update in June 2017. By tinkering with the settings related to the mode, it was found that the switch had the option for a virtual reality dual display. This was nearly two full years before the release of the Nintendo Labo VR kit, which finally made use of stereoscopic 3D. This isn't the only secret within the Switch. In September 2017, an emulator called Flog was found hidden in the system's code. The emulator was programmed to activate only if the system's internal calendar was set to July 11, at which point it could be used to play the NES game Golf. Golf was one of the first games made by Satoru Iwata when he was working as a programmer, and July 11th was the date he passed away in 2015. In order to actually access the emulator, players would have to hold a Joy-Con in each hand and extend their arms outward, recreating Iwata's signature pose from the Nintendo Direct presentations. In an interview with Kotaku, Nintendo of America's then-president Reggie Fils-Aimé said, It was identified by folks playing around in the firmware. We've got nothing officially to announce for that content or what the plans are for that content. So that's that. Certainly anything that pays respect to my friend Mr. Iwata is something that is near and dear to me personally, but in terms of that execution and what it was meant to do or what the plans are, we've got nothing to announce. Some Japanese fans likened the presence of the emulator to an omamori, a type of charm often used for protection or good luck. Further data mining found the emulator only worked on Switch systems with older firmware. Eventually, all references to the emulator were removed from the Switch's code as part of the 4.0 system update in December 2017. Another far more bizarre easter egg was found in the Switch's photo album application. If a player hasn't taken screenshots yet, several demo images can be seen in the album, including one of a man looking at a phone. This particular image bears an uncanny resemblance to a popular Japanese meme. What's bizarre about this is that the original source of the meme is a screenshot from a Japanese adult film called A Midsummer Night's Lewd Dream. This raised eyebrows for many and seems a very strange thing to be referenced in a Nintendo product. The Switch enjoyed great success in the months following its launch, but this wasn't without controversy. In August 2017, tablet developer GameVice filed a lawsuit accusing Nintendo of patent infringement. Previously, GameVice had released a gaming tablet equipped with a detachable controller known as a Wikipad, a design they claimed Nintendo illegally copied with the release of the Switch. The lawsuit asked for both monetary damages as well as a ban on all future sales of the Switch. The case was voluntarily dropped two months later, but a second infringement lawsuit filed by Game Vice in March 2018 asked the United States International Trade Commission to completely block imports of the Switch into the U.S. Sales of the Switch weren't affected by Game Vice's lawsuit, and in October 2019, it was ultimately decided that Nintendo hadn't infringed on the patent. The Switch has seen an influx of ports from other systems, but some complain these multi-platform games often cost more on the Switch, which led to some coining the phrase Switch Tax. While compiling data on the Switch's library of games, Nintendo news site Switcher compared the prices of games available on both the Nintendo eShop and Steam, and discovered a notable discrepancy in the price of multi-platform games. Digital-only games on both services generally cost 7.2% more on the eShop than on Steam, while games released both physically and digitally cost 17.8% more. 
Overall, games cost roughly 10% more on the eShop than they do on Steam. The main cause for this is the manufacturing cost of the Switch cartridges, which are notably more expensive to produce than the discs used by other systems, which in turn means the games are usually more expensive to purchase. Nintendo's policy also mandated all Switch games that get both a physical and digital release must have the same price in both formats. As physical Switch games are more expensive than physical games on other platforms, the digital versions are also more expensive on the eShop than they are on other digital storefronts, resulting in a sort of Switch tax. While some games had their prices changed for the system, other games had their content changed. The game Super Real Mahjong PV, which originally released on the Sega Saturn, came to the Japanese Switch eShop in March 2019. The game is a simple Mahjong puzzle game, with a gimmick of rewarding players via anime nudity. However, the game was removed from the eShop shortly after its arrival due to some risque scenes that had insufficient censorship. Nudity in the game had been covered with a white bar of light in an attempt to avoid a Cero Z rating, an 18-plus rating that usually leads to low sales due to a limited audience. However, the light bar hadn't been aligned properly, and some nudity could still be seen in the final game. This resulted in the game being temporarily removed from the eShop until a patch was developed to sufficiently cover up the nudity. Interestingly, this isn't the only adult Mahjong game to be censored on the Switch. Zero Div's Tyson Hot Gimmick Cosplay Jan previously released on the PC and PlayStation 2, but was ported to the Japanese eShop in 2018. The game's release went off without a hitch, but a little while after, fans noticed the eShop page had changed. The game's splash image on the storefront had been swapped out for an edited, less lewd version. Another Switch title was found to be censored somewhat before it even released. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate leaked over a week before its street date, which led to a large chunk of the game's content being revealed on social media. This included parts of the game's Spirits Mode, which celebrates a large number of gaming franchises. Not all of these franchises were represented in the same way as in their original games, almost certainly because of the game's low age rating. Art for several female spirits had their usual artwork censored to be less revealing. This included Mithra from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, who had her legs reshaded to look like she was wearing black tights, and her top was extended to cover more of her chest. Camilla from Fire Emblem Fates was also altered, with her chest being covered by her hair instead of it falling to the sides. Although some fans were annoyed at this, it's hard to deny that the changes were appropriate for an E10 Plus rated game. Despite this, Nintendo seems to be against censoring games. At a shareholders meeting in June 2019, Nintendo President Shintaro Furukawa was asked about his stance on games being censored by gaming platform giants such as Nintendo. Furukawa responded, essentially saying he believed the ratings board is enough, along with the parental controls Nintendo offers. He even went as far to say that arbitrarily editing games could be damaging to the industry. This statement was noteworthy, as Sony had recently censored sexual content of games on their platform. Senran Kagura Burst Renewal, Nekopara Volume 1, Date Alive Rio Reincarnation, and Senran Kagura were all affected by Sony's policies on sexual content and games. Although Nintendo's stance seems to be anti-censorship, one of their most high-profile titles of 2019 was altered after its release. In September of this year, news circulated that a line spoken by the character Bernadetta in Fire Emblem Three Houses had been altered. Specifically, her English B support conversation with Byleth had been seemingly toned down in the title's 1.02 update. Translation enthusiast and Fire Emblem fan Cantopia was curious if this was really a case of censorship and investigated the updated dialogue and compared it to the original English and Japanese versions. Surprisingly, the language used in the English 1.02 update was closer to a literal 
literal Japanese translation. However, translating from Japanese is rarely this simple. Cantopia went on to explain how, although the literal idea of Bernadetta being tied to a chair as a training method to make her a good wife was intact, some of the nuance was lost. The original English was made more intense to convey Bernadetta's implied feeling on the matter, which would have been lost with a direct translation. Whether or not this can be called censorship seems to be up for debate. Some fans believe the updated text either doesn't change the intent of the line, or is more authentic to the original Japanese version, while others believe toning down the English text is censorship regardless of what the change was for, and that it lessened the impact of the conversation with Bernadetta. Did you know? Despite series creator Masahiro Sakurai's best attempt at keeping Smash Ultimate's all-star roster a secret, there were several missteps along the way, some even from Nintendo themselves. The DLC for Smash Ultimate is still being developed, but we wanted to provide a rundown of all the rumors, hoaxes, and leaks that have happened so far. We already covered Smash rumors and leaks for every Smash game before Ultimate, and even a few for Ultimate, in a previous video. So pause this video and go watch that one to be brought up to speed. Before Smash Ultimate's grand reveal, there were a few leaks about the game that went virtually unnoticed. Sakurai would even celebrate that the announcement saw few leaks. In his bi-weekly Famitsu column after the E3 announcement, he wrote, To be honest, I'm truly glad there wasn't a leak. If word had gotten out that everyone is here, then we wouldn't have had this incredible reaction. Unfortunately, Sakurai is mistaken. There were a number of leaks about the game's presentation that did ruin some of the surprises for a few eagle-eyed fans. The YouTuber Master of Hyrule indicated in a post dating from April 2018 that some characters like Duck Hunt and Shulk would return. He also posted a small image of the battlefield stage seen from above, showing that the stage would receive an update in the new Smash. Soon after, another YouTuber, GU King of Heart, would post a bigger image of the new Battlefield design and claim that he got the information from the same source that told him about Nintendo's set design of E3 2017. He also confirmed several props that'd be used by Nintendo when their E3 2018's booth, including Bayonetta's boots, Link's Master Sword, and Captain Falcon's helmet. Both posts were deleted soon after, but were talked about heavily within the hardcore Smash community. Some rumors were also published on 4chan, including a post that indicated Princess Daisy and Ridley would be revealed in the E3 presentation. The anonymous poster would continue to provide accurate information, revealing the game's title and release date. They even correctly pointed out that Bomberman would be an assist trophy, which came as a shock to many fans. Perhaps the best-known leak at the time was from a user on GameFAQs named Laws18. He revealed that all the characters of the previous games would come back, the inkling's special moves, and the changes to the Zelda characters. Laws18 was met with a lot of skepticism, but his info turned out to be the real deal. However, Later rumors from Laws 18 would prove to be mostly inaccurate about the game's development. Vergaben was also gaining notoriety at this time. He was famous for leaking details about other fighting games, and for publishing rumors of a potential Star Fox racing game. Back in March 2018, he made a post claiming that he'd heard that Tails, Phoenix Wright, Zero, and Noctis would be joining Smash as fighters, info that would later be proven false. Later that same week, he posted an update saying he heard Ridley would be joining the roster, and that Bandai Namco would develop the title from one of his more credible sources. In May, he retracted his initial claims, but doubled down on Ridley and Bandai Namco's involvement. He also added that Simon Belmont from Castlevania would also be added to the game's roster, and that there'd be no cuts from the previous entry, all information that would later be confirmed. However, like other rumors from Forgaben, he wasn't the first to post this. Stealth40k was actually the first to post that he'd heard Simon Belmont might be joining Smash back in April 2018, a full month before Forgaben made the claim. Stealth40k also asserts that Incineroar was one of the first characters leaked for Smash Ultimate. 
All the claims of Simon Belmont joining Smash would eventually be confirmed, inadvertently by Nintendo themselves. A day before the August 2018 Smash presentation, an employee at Nintendo accidentally renamed their YouTube Galaga medley to Blood Tears slash Monster Dance, confirming the addition of Castlevania to Smash. In the August 8th Direct, Simon Belmont, Krom, Dark Samus, King K. Rule, and Richter Belmont were announced. Richter in particular shocked many Nintendo fans, as many were unaware who the character even was. However, Chrome and Dark Samus were somewhat unexpected, as Ike and Samus seemed to lose palette swaps referencing these characters in the early demos of Ultimate. Laws 18's reputation would reach an all-time high during this point. On June 13, 2018, Laws claimed that there'd be an August Direct showcasing the start screen and options. He also claimed that a tournament mode and two other models would be shown, with one of them being the primary way to unlock characters. The new mode wasn't shown, but it wasn't enough to destroy Laws' credibility. A supposed DM leak between Forgaben and Laws 18 also gave Laws more credibility. In the conversation, Forgaben asked Laws 18 if he'd heard that there wasn't going to be a Donkey Kong newcomer. Laws said he doubted the claim, implying he believed a DK newcomer was likely. Since King K. Rule was revealed at the end of the August Direct, Laws 18's reputation was boosted among Smash fans. Laws' reputation would take a huge hit after the September Nintendo Direct, however, which revealed Isabelle as a newcomer. He'd previously stated that Skull Kid from Majora's Mask would be a newcomer before the reveal. He also stated he thought Young Link's final smash would be a fierce deity Link transformation. Both pieces of info would later be proven false. He ended up closing his account on GameFAQs shortly after due to fear of Nintendo ninjas. Despite these fears, Laws went on to open a Twitter account under the same name and claimed that Dixie Kong and Isaac would be playable. He later retired from leaking after the Direct. He'd later make a post defending his record on Smashboards and apologizing for his mistakes. While Laws 18 wouldn't be happy to see Isabel revealed, Forgaben was. In July 2018, he posted on GameFAQs that Isabel would be coming to the game. Later on Reddit, he claimed that he heard she was an Echo Fighter, which proved to be incorrect. Before the August 2018 Direct, he also posted that a new Pokémon would come from Generation 7, and it wouldn't be Decidueye, Lycanroc, nor Mimikyu. After the August 2018 Direct, Forgaben posted that Ken from Street Fighter would join the roster, and a character owned by Square Enix would also be included in the game's roster. Few were convinced, however, as many felt he was copying information from a NeoGAF user named Whistleblank. Whistleblank posted a message in July 2018 stating that K. Rule, Simon Belmont, and Isaac would be newcomers. They also claimed that Krom and Soren would be Echo Fighters of Ike and Robin respectively, and that Ken and an unknown character from Square Enix would join the battle. While some of their info turned out to be true, the Pokémon series eventually got a newcomer, and Isaac and Soren were missing from the game's final roster. Whistleblank then deleted their account, but some similarly named accounts appeared making various amendments to the claims, and it's unknown if they were the same person. There was another major rumor posted before the August 2018 Direct that got a lot of attention. An anonymous poster on 4chan claimed to have a demo of Smash and datamined it. The post originated from July 1st and stated that Richter would be joining the Smash roster, in addition to K. Rule and Dark Samus. The post also claimed that Gardevoir, Gothitelle, and a second Mario character, like Paper Mario, would be joining the roster. Since Richter was seen as an unlikely character by many Smash fans, the rumor gained significant traction among the fanbase. In the end, this rumor would be false, as Gardevoir, Gothitelle, and another Mario didn't join the roster. On August 29th, another user claimed to have the demo of Smash and was filming new footage from it. 
However, upon closer inspection, it was revealed that they were using footage filmed from their playtime at CEO and using dummy accounts to request certain footage that they'd then publish to boost their credibility. Another post on 4chan from July 25th claimed that Gino, Celica, Simon Belmont, and Isabel would be added to the game. Celica and Gino would be missing from the game's final roster, proving this rumor false. Another post from September 2018 claimed Isabel, Ken, and Incineroar would be in the game and asserted that Skull Kid and Gino wouldn't be fighters. This post would end up being technically true, but it's unknown if they were piggybacking off other leaks. There were a few image leaks suggesting Gino would be a newcomer. The smug Gino leak became a bit of a meme in the Smash community. Upon closer inspection, the image was found to be just an edited image of Gino from Project M. Gino wasn't the only character that got a hoax during this time. Reddit user CamTunist made a fake PokeFloats 2 leak, also in September, featuring Skull Kid and Bandana D. The post fooled a few in the Smash community, but people like Push Dustin pointed out there were several lighting and size discrepancies, suggesting the photos had been altered. In fall 2018, many fans believed Karate Joe from Rhythm Heaven was coming to Smash as a fighter. This is because during King K. Rule's reveal trailer, Donkey Kong struck a pose resembling an image of Karate Joe. This was even covered by outlets such as Game Explain, bringing more awareness to the potential nod. This led to a number of Rhythm Heaven hoaxes, such as one that showed Karate Joe without a shadow. There was even a 4chan post that sought to recreate the setup for Memory Post, suggesting Rhythm Heaven would get a new character. However, as Push Dustin pointed out on Twitter, several aspects of the images showed it was fake, like different lighting, the emblem's poor design, and the dubious nature in which it was uploaded. In the end, all of these images were false. Rhythm Heaven was also featured in another 4chan fake that gained a lot of attention from the Smash community. In a post that closely resembled a Smash for 3DS leak, renders of Agnes from Bravely Default, Shadow the Hedgehog, the Chorus Kids, Skull Kid, Isabel, Isaac, and Ken could supposedly be seen. However, there were a number of issues with the images, including Agnes's name being spelt wrong and her hair being parted differently from her official artwork. The art was actually made by Twitter user Leppy Peppy. Fans didn't just look at the poses of characters to get hints about who was joining Smash, they even judged the decor to determine who was coming next. Some fans convinced themselves that Sakurai hinted at K. Rool being in the game before his reveal, and began looking at the August Direct for other hints. Some fans thought the color of the chairs seen in the August Direct indicated that Waluigi or Skull Kid would come to Smash. In the end, this was just another example of fans reading too much into things and grasping at straws. In September 2018, the Japanese magazine Korokoro mistakenly reported that Smash Ultimate would have 108 stages when the game launched. In the previous August Direct, Sakurai showed off the stage select screen with 103 stages. This led to some believing that five additional series would be revealed with additional stages. September 2018 was a long month for Smash fans. Despite Isabelle being confirmed for the roster, Smash speculation was at an all-time high with intense discussion on who else will be joining the roster. On September 14, 2018, Amazon posted images of the Smash Ultimate bundle, seemingly confirming that the roster would only have two more characters revealed. This was deduced by the pattern that the characters were in, which seemed to alternate between two sides of the packaging. This led to an intense debate on what became known as box theory. Just a few days later, a more optimistic theory emerged. Duckmeat and Sabi proposed blog theory, which calculated the rate that characters were announced to predict just how many characters were left. By their estimates, there were six characters left. However, a major issue with this theory is that it assumed the rate of character announcements would stay consistent, which they never did in any of the Smash speculation periods before. Despite its obvious flaws, the box versus blog theory became a huge focal point in the community. 
On September 14, 2018, a Reddit user named Noah Testy leaked several details about Smash Ultimate. In their posts, they claimed to be a playtester for Ultimate. They stated that Ken and Incineroar would be the base roster's final two characters, and Spirits were similar to Brawl's stickers. They also claimed that Piranha Plant was going to be the game's first DLC character, and the plant wouldn't utilize a fireball in their moveset. They also claimed the internal name of Ultimate was Cross 2. After they made three posts on Reddit, Noah Testy stopped posting and hasn't used the account since. All of their posts would be confirmed legitimate after the game's final presentation. On September 22, 2018, an image of Ken giving a thumbs up was uploaded to the internet. It showed Ivysaur, Pichu, and Pac-Man all using their up taunts on the Moray Tower stage in what appears to be a debug mode. Fans realized the odd clipping of Ken and Pac-Man's right feet were issues in the actual game, giving the screenshot legitimacy. While Nintendo never commented on the image, its validity was confirmed in the final Smash presentation. Two days later, a 4chan post claimed Incineroar, Ken, and Piranha Plant were an ultimate, and Piranha Plant would be in a vehicle similar to Bowser Jr. While Piranha Plant uses a pipe or a pot, it's unclear if this was legitimate, or piggybacking off other leaks. Despite Sakurai saying there wouldn't be a lot of characters left to reveal in the August 2018 Direct, fans were still expecting more. All of this came to its epic conclusion right before the presentation that would reveal the final two characters, Incineroar and Ken. The Grinch leak was a hoax that went viral, originally posted at the end of October 2018, showcasing Banjo and Kazooie, Chorus Kids, Gino, Isaac, Ken, and Shadow as part of artwork that resembled the Smash Brothers Everyone Is Here mural. The image was uploaded to Snapchat and then 4chan where it quickly spread across the internet. The reason it's called the Grinch leak is because it featured artwork for merchandise relating to the Grinch movie, which is one of the reasons why so many people believed it. Internet detectives hypothesized that the image came from a French company Marina PLV, which had worked with Bandai Namco in the past. All of these characters were believable to a certain degree. None of them at that point were shown as assist trophies, and some were characters Sakurai had considered at one point or another. Papa Gino's, a YouTuber who covers Smash leaks and rumors, was certain of Banjo's inclusion due to a source he had, so he backed the leak. Liam Robertson contacted the artist who was supposedly responsible for the image, which led to the artist denying any involvement. This led to a civil war in the Smash community, as some people claimed the images were legitimate, while others claimed they were false. However, the internet's collective dreams would be destroyed just two weeks later when the rest of the game's roster was officially announced, disproving the Grinch hoax once and for all. Forgaben came out against the Grinch hoax, stating that he'd heard Isaac was an assist trophy, not a playable character. He also stated that a new Square Enix character was coming, but said it was possible it was moved to DLC. Forgaben would also claim that Minecraft would see representation in the base game. After the game was released, he suggested that we could see Minecraft content for DLC, but ever since he made that post, no Minecraft content has appeared in Smash Ultimate. The Grinch hoax was probably based on an earlier rumor, nicknamed the Chad Ganondorf. This was a post that originated on 4chan back in September 2018, and featured mostly the same info in the Grinch hoax. It's currently unknown who is responsible for the doctored images. In the final Smash presentation, Nintendo revealed that Ultimate would be getting DLC, and that Piranha Plant would be the game's first post-launch character. However, two weeks before Ultimate was set to be released, a leaked copy appeared online. This was because the game was sold early somewhere in Mexico. Some players downloaded a copy of the game and beat it, revealing all of the game's contents early. 
Nintendo tried taking down videos showcasing the game's story and music through DMCA takedowns. However, information quickly spread across the internet, including the game's cutscenes. There's been many rumors about the DLC for Smash Ultimate. Hitagi, a contacted for Gaben, claimed the game would see a Grand Blue character, most likely Catalina. Hitagi also claimed that Steve would be coming to Ultimate, which Vergaben initially supported. The rumor was proven entirely false, as Grand Blue didn't receive any characters in Fighter Pass 1. In November 2018, Vergaben would double down about Minecraft representation in Smash, stating there'd be a boss battle. However, no evidence to support this claim has ever been found. After Banjo's reveal, Vergaben stated Minecraft would see representation with the first DLC pass, which was also false. On October 11, 2018, Japanese Twitter user Milkbosatu posted that a VR mode would come to Ultimate. They also claimed that Dragon Quest Hero and a fighting game character would come to Smash. In particular, they stated that the hero wouldn't have any female alts and that a fighting game character would be coming as DLC. In December, they claimed the fighting game character would be female and that she'd utilize flying weapons. This wouldn't come true, as Terry was revealed as the game's fifth post-launch character. Milk Bosatu wasn't the only one who leaked a VR mode to Smash Ultimate. Papagino started reporting on information that was obtained by a source named VR Plant. They claimed to be the same person that posted details about Ridley and Daisy's inclusion on 4chan before the E3 2018 presentation. The source would leak various upcoming releases to Papaginos, including Hero's release date. An anonymous poster on 4chan stated that Dragon Quest, Banjo-Kazooie, Doomguy, and Monster Hunter would be part of the season pass. This was notable as it was the only instance of someone correctly guessing all the alts for the Dragon Quest hero. While the first two would come true, the other characters wouldn't be part of the pass. Sticky.smt on Twitter would later claim that they made the post and that they guessed the alts for Hero. There was also a theory that the DLC characters were inadvertently leaked by Google AdWords. This was first proposed by Duckmeat and other users on Papagino's Discord server. Users found that by typing Banjo-Kazooie, Ryu Hayabusa, Doomslayer, and Artorias on Google, it would show an ad for the Smash Bros. website. However, it was revealed that anyone could buy an ad on Google, and the theory was proven false with Hero's reveal. On December 10th, 2018, an anonymous poster on 5channel, a Japanese equivalent to 4chan, posted that Joker would come to Smash. They stated that Mementos would be the stage, and that Jack Frost would appear in their moveset. They stated that Persona 5R would be a deluxe version of Persona 5, and that Persona 5U was a fighting game. While the poster correctly predicted the stage and character, the other info was mostly false. Another poster on 5channel claimed that Erdrick from Dragon Quest, Ryu Hayabusa from Ninja Gaiden, Steve from Minecraft, and the Doom Guy were the characters for the Smash Ultimate Fighter Pass 1. Before Terry's release, there was a 4chan post claiming Geese, Heihachi, Lloyd Irving, and Hollow Knight would come as Wii costumes with an online mode called Slipspace. They also claimed that Doomslayer was in the pass, and Geno and Frogger would be extra DLC characters. This turned out to be inaccurate. There's been several accurate leaks about the first Fighter Pass for Ultimate. Right before the game's release, Persona 5's Joker was announced at the Game Awards to the surprise of many. When the game was released, data miners were unable to uncover a couple of code names for upcoming characters. They discovered Pakun, Jack, and Brave. Similarly, Mementos was accidentally leaked as Joker's stage through an oversight that led to unrelated strings being left over in the game's compiler. There were also unused strings that suggested Joker would get an alt costume featuring a ponytail. However, Joker didn't get ponytails, and the data is nowhere to be found when he was released. Since then, the oversight has been fixed. Modes that were added through DLC were also data mined early. 
Files named How to Play Stage Builder and How to Play Home Run were found back in March 2019. Nintendo accidentally showed off Stage Builder in an ad published on April 16th, with the mode being officially revealed the next day. On March 31, 2019, Best Buy accidentally published Joker's render for Smash ahead of its official announcement. This led to speculation that Joker would be released soon after. The render was removed from the ad the next day, and Joker was officially shown on April 17th. Reset-era admin Shinobi hinted at Banjo's inclusion in Smash a full week before their reveal. On June 5, 2019, he posted, Been a while since we saw Banjo in anything. Hope we're in for a smashing good time. Tansut, who previously leaked Cloud's presence in Smash for 3DS and Wii U, also hinted that Dragon Quest would be getting a character. They reportedly heard that info back in December 2018. There was also a rumor by one of Papagino's Discord mods, Paragon, dubbed the Paraleak. They claimed the first fighter pass would include Joker, Luminary, Banjo, Frisk, and Waluigi. Where exactly they got this info is unknown, but the rumor gained significant traction after Hiro and Banjo-Kazooie were revealed at E3. However, this rumor would be proven false with Terry's reveal and Sans' inclusion as a Mii Fighter costume. Nintendo of Europe updated the page for the fourth fighter in the past to include an SNK copyright on September 1, 2019, before Terry was announced. They took down the copyright, but Terry was confirmed as a fighter just three days later. On the same day a 7-Eleven ad went up, showcasing Banjo Banjo and Kazooie. It was thought that Banjo would be released before the ad was changed, and Banjo was. Before Byleth was revealed as the final character for Fighter Pass 1, there were many rumors about who would end the pass. Starting from November 2019 and lasting until January, Forgaben and Sabi would post almost weekly update on who the character wasn't. This drew in a lot of criticism, as they never stated who the character was. Forgaben would also walk back some of his previous claims, stating that his source was mistaken. Before the presentation, Forgaben would post the Mii Fighter costumes, at least indicating he knew some information in advance. However, it's unclear if he or his sources knew the character as early as November 2019. As for Byleth's reveal, Sakurai announced that six more characters would be coming as DLC for Ultimate, meaning the speculation and rumors cycle will continue until December 2021. Although many rumors have been confirmed or disproven, one image has constantly stumped Smash fans. A video appeared online showing the Kaku Demon from Doom and Mallow from Super Mario RPG as Mii costume heads. Initially, it was thought that it'd be impossible to mod new Mii costumes in the game, giving the potential video leak some credibility. However, it was found that Mii costumes could be modded, thus raising some suspicion if it was credible. What's more is that Ken's Shoryuken does 0.7% difference in damage, suggesting the balance was altered. As of this video, it's unknown if this was an elaborate hoax or if they were actual leaks. After Min Min's reveal, there was a fake 4chan post that spread across the Smash community. However, when attempting to search for the post, it was revealed that the image was fake. Did you know? The character Wilbur will occasionally spell out words in the NATO phonetic alphabet, where words are used to communicate a letter. But there's a sly secret in his dialogue. When Wilbur spells out the word now, he says November Oscar Whisker. In real life, the NATO phonetic word for the letter W isn't whisker, it's whiskey. This was clearly changed to remove any reference to alcohol. But this isn't the only secret surrounding Wilbur. Wilbur and his brother Orville are clearly named after Orville and Wilbur Wright, inventors of the airplane. Wilbur's birth date is even December 17th, a reference to the day the Wright brothers conducted the first ever flight of the Wright Flyer in 1903. However, their names in the Japanese game reference something else entirely. Wilbur's Japanese name is Rodri, a shortening of Rodriguez. This is the name of an island which was once home to a relative of the Dodo, the Rodriguez Solitaire. 
In Japan, the Rodriguez Solitaire is known as the Rodriguez Dodo, strengthening this connection. Orville's name, on the other hand, is Mori, taken from the word Mauritius, an island nation where dodos once roamed. In the Spanish version of New Horizons, the villager Raymond is named Narciso. One interpretation of the word is a Spanish name for the ancient Greek figure Narcissus. Narcissus was self-obsessed and is the origin of the word narcissism. The game's Spanish localizers may have included this reference due to Raymond's smug personality. The villager Sherb also has nods to Greek mythology in other languages. In the German game, he's called Morpheus, referencing the Greek god of the same name associated with sleep and dreams. CJ's Italian and French names, Castorino and Pollux respectively, also reference mythology. They're named after the twins Castor and Pollux from Greek and Roman mythology, who are considered the twin sons of Zeus or Jupiter. Interestingly, Castor is also the scientific name for the beaver genus. On the flip side, CJ's name in Japanese is Justin. This would make him Justin the beaver, likely a nod to Canadian singer-songwriter Justin Bieber. On top of this, beavers are often associated with Canada, as is Justin Bieber. The villager Sid is named Ponkasu, or punks in Japan. This name seems to have influenced a few references in other versions of the game. Firstly, his name in the English, Russian, Dutch, German, and Italian versions is likely a nod to punk rock star Sid Vicious of Sex Pistols fame. The Spanish version of the game takes a different direction, however, naming him Ramon, after punk rock band The Ramon and perhaps its lead singer, Joey Ramone. Audie's name is a variation of Monica in most language versions of New Horizons. This isn't the case with their English name, however, which is likely a nod to a real-life person, and this time, someone in the Animal Crossing community. Audrey is an 87-year-old grandma who went viral on Twitter in early 2019 after her grandson tweeted out her impressive 3,580-hour playtime in Animal Crossing New Leaf. In the game, Audrey adopted the username Audie as she played. Since this is such a unique name, it's highly likely that someone at Nintendo wanted to reward her dedication by referencing her in New Horizons. There are some other interesting secrets about the franchise's villagers. In an interview with GameCult, New Horizons developers explain that when brainstorming ideas for new characters, the team thinks about the character's role in the game before any designs are made. After landing on a role, they choose the most appropriate species of animal. This is how it was done even in the first Animal Crossing, with one example being Blathers. Since owls are often associated with wisdom, the museum curator role was made an owl. Production on Animal Crossing New Horizons began right after the release of Animal Crossing New Leaf in 2012, before the team even knew the Nintendo Switch existed. The first decision made was to set the game on a deserted island. According to New Horizons director Aya Kigoku, this was meant to shake the series up. Kigoku said, When we started developing New Horizons, we felt that if we didn't change the elements of players moving to a village, nothing would really change. Even the interaction with animals wouldn't change either. This wasn't the only thing they wanted to shake up. In older games in the series, there wasn't much for players to do at night, as shops would close and villagers would go to bed. This was one reason crafting mechanics were added to New Horizons. Because the mechanic can be used at all hours, players would have more to do even while shops and characters were inaccessible. Another reason was to give players more customization options. During development, the team also learned that in prior Animal Crossing titles, some fans would reset their game multiple times until they found a town layout that they liked. In light of this, the team added the ability to terraform the island. Just like crafting, terraforming was designed to be accessible at any time of the day. These mechanics 
projects push players to engage more with the island as a whole, rather than focusing on just their homes or villagers. Another change was the inclusion of Nook Miles, which were designed to slowly introduce each of the game's mechanics so as not to overwhelm new players. They were also designed to tempt existing players out of their old playing habits and experiment with playing the game in different ways. Tying the game to the real-time clock enables players to time travel, where a player changes their Switch's clock to skip ahead in the game and access future events early. For New Horizons, however, Nintendo chose to add seasonal events as DLC, instead of having the events built in. This means players can't time travel to access seasonal events, which led many to assume that Nintendo implemented this change to curb time traveling. This doesn't seem to be the case, however, as both Kyogoku and New Horizons producer Hisashi Nogami have gone on record saying they don't consider time traveling cheating. These developers also explained how some features were inspired by the failings of past Animal Crossing games. The local multiplayer mode in New Horizons, Party Play, is an idea the team wanted to have in City Folk back on the Wii. After the Wii game was released, the team realized they could have included some sort of simultaneous play on a single console with two Wii remotes. When it came time to make New Horizons, the team made sure to include this decade-old idea. Although there were some concerns that New Horizons sales numbers would be hurt by the COVID-19 pandemic, the game sold a stunning 1.88 million copies in Japan within its first three days. This beat out the Switch's then record holder, Pokemon Sword and Shield, by roughly half a million units. This doesn't even include digital sales of the game. New Horizons also bumped up sales on Nintendo Switch and Switch Lite consoles in Japan by over 585%. Worldwide, New Horizons launch week sales beat those of all other Animal Crossing games launches combined. Although worldwide sales were high, New Horizons hasn't been approved by the Chinese government to be officially sold in the country. This didn't stop retailers and resellers on Chinese auction sites from importing copies of the game, however. Initially, sales seemed to be accepted by the Chinese government, but due to the COVID-19 situation, many pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong couldn't continue their demonstrations in public. Instead, the protesters began using New Horizons as a digital space to facilitate their protests and communicate with other protesters. In response, the Chinese government banned stores from selling New Horizons in early April. According to reports, the ban also covers New Horizons-themed Switches and the game's merchandise. But Hong Kong and Chinese gamers haven't let that stop them. They've resorted to buying New Horizons from Nintendo's eShop digitally through different regions. Some have even privately reached out to sellers to buy copies of the game under the table. They aren't the only group taking Animal Crossing seriously, however, with New Horizons' turnip market becoming just as serious as Wall Street's to some. For those unaware, players can buy turnips in New Horizons every Sunday, which can be sold throughout the week ideally for a profit. However, turnips will rot the following Sunday, making them worthless. The buying price of turnips changes twice daily, leading to a high-stakes game where players can land huge profits or losses. The uncertain nature of the market has prompted players to band together in an attempt to game the system. For instance, the subreddit r slash ac turnips allows users to post their town's turnip prices and set up visits to sell turnips, usually in exchange for tips in the form of bells, items, or mystery island tickets. Others, like Tom Riley and his co-workers, use Slack, an app designed for employees to communicate online. Riley's server has a customized bot that alerts everyone if a member's turnip prices are over 200 bells. Continually updating turnip prices on Slack has become part of the daily routine for many members of the group. Opening your island's airport to fellow turnip traders isn't without risk, however. Some players have experienced turnip traders stealing items from their island or have been scammed. To combat this, some players have actually hired others to act as security guards on their island. Crowdsourcing good turnip prices is only one tactic players have used. Others have turned to coding price prediction calculators, such as ASDTurnup.com, in hopes of forecasting their town's turnip prices in advance.
New Horizons was intended to bring friends and their communities together, and managed to bring two specific communities together in a way that shocked its developers. Fan art depicting Animal Crossing's Isabel with the main character of the Doom series flooded the internet in the days leading up to New Horizons and Doom Eternal's shared March 20th, 2020 release date. Even Doom's official Twitter account joined in on the fun. When the phenomenon came to the attention of New Horizons' team, they were awestruck by the creativity and popularity of the pairing. Nagami celebrated what the Isabel and Doom Slayer crossover meant for gaming at large. Large, telling IGN, obviously the game's genres are completely different. It's so great to see that two different fandoms are coming together and hyping up the gaming community and gaming culture itself. It's a really great thing to see. The Doom Twitter account wasn't the only one won over by New Horizons. Xbox's official Twitter account posted custom Xbox-themed Animal Crossing clothing for fans to download and wear. This followed Microsoft's Executive Vice President of Gaming, Phil Spencer, sharing a tweet of Twitter user iGazeGirl, aka Becky. Becky is an ambassador for Special Effect, a charity focused on leveling the playing field for gamers with disabilities. Becky had connected an Xbox adaptive controller to her Nintendo Switch, which allowed her to remap the Switch's controls to allow her to play New Horizons using just her head. Did you know? About a third of the levels in New Super Lucky's Tale are built in a 2D style, which is an idea carried over from a previous game in the series. The idea for these 2D levels comes from the original Lucky's Tale, which was an Oculus Rift exclusive. 2D levels were put in the game to give players a short break from Lucky's Tale's fully 3D levels, which might be overwhelming to some players using VR. Before Lucky's Tale, VR games were typically first-person, as this was assumed the best way to have an immersive VR environment. However, the developers at Playful Studios wanted to try their hand at a third-person game in the medium, and based Lucky's Tale on a few prototypes they'd made. Platformers typically have appealing worlds that are easy to be immersed in, even on a flat TV screen, and Playful wanted to see how this would translate to a VR experience. They also wanted the game's character to recognize the player's presence, and look at the player as they played, reacting to their movements. Lots of different characters were prototyped before the team decided on Lucky being a fox. While working on the original VR prototype, the team had a placeholder capsule character that run around the game world. This capsule was later changed to a humanoid so developers got a better sense of the character's movement. At one point, Playful even experimented with a three-eyed alien with overalls as the main character. They ultimately decided to base the character on an animal, and explored several mammal-based designs including a raccoon, a squirrel, and a lemur. This was because the game was VR, and the team wanted the character to seem like a stuffed animal, as if a teddy bear had come to life. Even after deciding that Lucky would be a fox, the character had several major redesigns before his final iteration. Disney characters were a large inspiration for Lucky's design, as they have a timeless quality to them. Director Dan Hurd elaborated, telling Did You Know Gaming, We wanted Lucky to have a timeless design and appeal, and so we looked to characters that had that particular feel to them. Mickey and Mario were standout references for us for those reasons. When Playful got the chance to make Super Lucky's Tale on the Xbox One, the team saw it as an opportunity to bring the franchise to a new audience. They furthered this ambition when they set up a meeting with Nintendo. Heard told us, We approached Nintendo with an early playable version of Super Lucky's Tale running on the Switch, and they thought it was a great idea. From there, the team thought about what product we were passionate about launching on the Switch, and the completely reimagined new Super Lucky's Tale was born. 
Microsoft, who originally published the game on Xbox One and PC, were supportive of Playful's choice too, recognizing that a Switch release might bring new players into the market and heighten franchise awareness. While making the game, Playful looked to titles like Super Mario 64, Mario Galaxy, Crash Bandicoot, Klonoa, Rocket Knight, Sonic, Ratchet & Clank, and even obscure games like Jumping Flash for inspiration. The developers were also heavily inspired by games developed by Rare. Character interactions and dialogue in particular were based on interactions with characters in Rare games like Banjo-Kazooie. Lucky himself also takes some cues from other characters. For example, Lucky's kick attack was inspired by the kick attack in Battletoads. Lucky's movements were also inspired by real-life foxes. The team wanted to emphasize the character's tail, so a swipe attack was added. Lucky's burrowing came about thanks to a video of a fox bounding up and down in the snow, as well as another video where a fox jumps on a trampoline. These examples were very smooth and flowy, and lined up with the direction Playful wanted for the character. Like all video games, several ideas for Lucky's tail didn't make the final game, including some abilities. Dan Hurd told us, There was a feature I would have liked to include called Fox Sense that would help Lucky find additional hidden treasures and secret paths. I'm hoping to revisit that idea someday. I also think there's tons of potential in the burrow and slide that we're excited to continue to explore. Several characters were cut or drastically changed as well. The developers even made a music video memorializing a character called Cucumber Man, who was just barely cut from the game. There's also some spiky fish the team called Fugu that can only be seen in the intro of the original release of Super Lucky's Tale. Regarding characters that were altered, the Wriggle enemy originally had a creepier design with a more human face. The Yeti characters that live in Restful Retreat were once holiday-obsessed displaced snow yetis rather than the peaceful wrestlers they are in the final game. The game had several unused ideas for kitty litter boss concepts, and the game's main antagonist, Jinx, was once a strange hairless cat in a robotic exoskeleton. The team also had unused ideas for an entire robot civilization, of which Chip, one of their guardians, is a part of. The developers at Playful lived up to their namesake by including a fair amount of easter eggs and references in the various versions of Super Lucky's Tale. The Xbox One and PC versions have several achievements that reference other pieces of media. The achievement Gotta Go Fast is a nod to Sonic the Hedgehog, the See Me Rollin' references the song by Chameleon Air, and The Fox and the Pound is a pun on Disney's The Fox and the Hound. Several easter eggs are spread throughout the game's Foxington area, including one easter egg that has a special significance for Playful. The arcade machine in the treehouse has the initials JPR under the high score. This was in honor of a Make-A-Wish recipient named Jimmy who visited Playful Studios. The machine and initials are there to commemorate that visit, and the fun Playful had helping Jimmy fulfill his wish. Another easter egg can be found in the treehouse in Foxington, where a tiny leafy sits on a shelf. This is from one of Playful's other titles, the sandbox survival game Creativeverse. There's also a tiny water well in this area which represents an epic clash director Dan Hurd and art director Matt Burke had over the original Lucky's Tale. Hurd decided to take the well out of Lucky's Tale because it didn't follow the team's goal that every prop in a level must have an interactive element to it. Since then, Burke and the rest of the art team have delighted in putting the well wherever they can get away with. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.